everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. You can be seated. We are so excited to have Lauren join our staff, and she's going to be working part-time in our office, running our office administrations things, and then also, like she mentioned, she's going to be heading up our preschool area of, the, of this ministry, too, so she's going to be scheduling and making sure that, you know, those of you that are scheduled to serve are going to be there, and, and uh, she's, she's going to do a phenomenal job, so excited about having her part of our staff here at the church. So, we are t- coming to the conclusion of this long series called Core Visions and really wanted to spend a lot of time talking about this anyways just because there's so many things that are so core or needs to be core to, to, to a ministry, to a church. And so we just spent some time and I would encourage you if you haven't listened to any of those or I, you can go back and you can, you can find those on our, our sermons on our website. You can go back and listen. I would encourage you to do that just so you can kind of get, gain a, a better understanding of what we are as a church and what we're all about as a church. And we said sort of at the very beginning is that we're all like, you know, these, these blow pop suckers, right? We sort of said that like all of us, you know, are a different flavor. You know, some of you are sour apple, um, which, you know, we love you anyways. Um, straw, some of you are strawberry, some of you are, you know, grape or, or watermelon or cherry. Um, some of, all of us are different externally. We come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different upbringings, different church, you know, uh, liturgy, different, diff- different places. We all have different experiences and backgrounds, but at the core, there's good needs to be some things about that we're same as the core. So just like the sucker, it's maybe a different flavor externally, but inside, uh, there's some things that are just core to it. It, it, There's similarities. There's some things that we all need to kind of come around. And so like, like we're all needed to be gum at some point when it comes to our theology and, and what we believe the scripture teaches. And so, um, so that's what we've really been coming around. Like, yeah, different differences, but at the core, there needs to be some things that are the same. And so, you know, sort of the subtitle to, to this is, is that our taking, going from our name, Market Street Church, right? And so we want to take our mission to the market. We want to take our mission to the market. We want to take, you know, from what we, you know, hear and see we want to take that to the streets, you know, where, where you do life, where you go. And we just simply want to be the church. We want to be the church. It's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the church. And um, we, we, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next few minutes. But um, what Lauren read was from Matthew 16. And it's the first time the word church uh, shows up in Scripture. It's the first time uh, that that, G- that the word church is is used, and Jesus uh, uses uh, the, this idea of, of church um, to to make a, a point. And he says, um, "And all I also say to you that you are Peter." So, what did Peter just got get done doing? If you were listening to Lauren, he just got done proclaiming, you know, that that Jesus is the Christ. You know, he's the son of God. He's the, he's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. Um, that's what he, Peter just got done proclaiming. And so and Jesus told him, like, hey, and, and he said that you are Peter, and upon this rock, you know, what, what, what's that? He says, I will build my church. What's the rock? The rock is what Peter just said, that you are the Christ. You are the one. You are the Messiah. You're the one that it's all about, right? And if you look, listen back to week one of this message, that's what we need to be about. We're about Jesus as the Christ. He's the name that is above every other name. That's what, that's what we are about. That's what we are about as a church. Then that's what you need to be about as a, per, as a fo- follower of Jesus. That's what your home needs to be about. It needs to be about making much of Jesus. Jesus is first and foremost. You know, that's what, it, what, he, what he's saying. So he's saying, listen, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that word there, that Greek word is ekklesia, ekklesia. And, 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 and the gates of Hades will not, overpower it. So this is like Jesus making this major declaration of saying, like, I'm going to be building this ecclesia and and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Like, this is what Jesus is saying, I'm going to be building. What does that mean? What, did he, what, did he, what was he saying? That, what does that word ecclesia mean? Ecclesia means an assembly or a gathering. 
That's what it means. It means an assembly or, or a gathering. And when Jesus was thinking about his church, he wasn't, again, he wasn't thinking about a place necessarily, but he was thinking about a people. He was thinking about an assembly. He was thinking about people gathering in his name, worshiping him, giving him all the glory. This is what he had in mind. There's a guy who um, was trying to teach this concept, you know, back in the, around the 1500s, and his name was uh, William Tyndale. William Tyndale lived from 1494 to 1536. Uh, William Tyndale uh, was known as the father of the English Bible, the father of the English Bible. And here's what drove people nuts about William Tyndale. What drove people nuts about William Tyndale is that when William Tyndale was, was taking the, the scriptures into English or writing, writing scriptures from, from Greek and Hebrew to the English language so that we can best understand it, he was, he was using, instead of the word church, when Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church, he was using the word congregation, or he was using the word assembly, or he was using the word gathering. And now, this caused major problems to the church leaders of that day because they would use that concept of church gathering within a place. They would use that for their advantage. They would use that for them to get rich. They would use that to exert their authority you know, and control people. And, and William Tyndale came along, and he was trying to let people know that this is like not about a place where people can control it, that this is about a people. This is about a people. And so William Tyndale, because he offended so many people, they, so many religious people, so many people that were so-called Christians, they burned him at the stake. They burned him at the stake. And one of the quotes from William Tyndale was because he, he just really wanted just to teach a better and give a better understanding of what the church is supposed to be. He would, he would say something like, he said something like this. He says, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. Don't you love that? He's like, I want, I want a young boy who just, his job is to drive a plow. He says, I want that boy to know more of the scriptures than the Pope himself. He says, that's my goal. And that's why he wanted to say, hey, I'm gonna, I want everybody to understand accurately what the scripture teaches. It's, it was so important to him. And those who were religious leaders at the time that wanted to control the people, and William Tyndale was wanting to free the people to know what the scripture says for themselves, they killed him for it. They killed him for it. And, and for, for many, many years, there's been lots of different struggles within the church. There's been lots of different struggles in the church. There's been lots of different things that, that the church has been fighting for and fighting against and working towards, you know, a, 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 and staying within mission. For me, over the last 20 years, I've seen some things that have changed in culture. I've seen some things that have made church, especially assembling or gathering in church, difficult, difficult. So I, get, I wanted to share with you some things that you probably already know, but yet the, these things have been really escalating within the last 20 years and even, even more so within the last 18 to 20 months. These things have really accelerated. And so here's, here's a few. Struggles in churches. This is just over the last 20 to 30 years and really has you know, accelerated over the last uh, you know, 18, 20 months. Number one, Schedule conflicts, schedule conflicts, right? There's a lot more things scheduled on weekends. There's a lot more things scheduled on, specifically on Sunday mornings. It just makes it hard. We are and live in a culture of people who are busy. How many of you would admit, I'm busy, I'm busy, right? You can raise your hand, it's okay, I'm busy, I've, I've got. We, we live in a day where the pace is a lot faster. It's a part of our culture. And so our schedule, we have scheduling conflicts, and so it makes adding another thing like gathering in church a lot more difficult. Another struggle in, in churches is another one would be self-directing spiritual care. 
self-directing spiritual care. This is huge in our culture, right? You, whenever you have a symptom, a health symptom, you're not, the first thing you're doing is you're not calling your doctor, you're Googling what you have. True? You're, you're, we're, we're, we are, we live in a day and age of information and anytime that we have some sort of symptom that we're wondering what is going on with me, we look on the internet to see if we can self-direct or self, self-care. Here's another thing that's big in culture and it's big in, on, on television. There's actually a whole channel dedicated to this. DIYs. DIYs. What does that mean? Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And man, we are we benefit from in culture technology and information that helps us be able to you know before we had to call a plumber or before we had to call an electrician, we we were like uh you know we had to do that. But now we're like, well, maybe I could figure it out myself. And that goes with our spiritual care as well. Why? Because we're used to doing it when it comes to home improvement, and we're used to doing it when it comes to our own health, and so we do it when it comes to spiritual. There's, there's sort of this need for spiritual care. Another struggle in churches is, another one is, smartphones and social media conveniences. Smartphones and social media conveniences. Like, listen, here's the, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I know is true. You can find a better communicator and somebody that inspires you better than me 24-7 a day, anytime you want. You can go and you can find somebody that is a great preacher, better looking, you know, um, funnier, uh, you know, you can find that anytime, 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 24 hours a day. And so it just makes it a lot more convenient for us. Now, are those... is it okay to supplement those things? Sure, sure. I do it all the time. I listen to a lot of different people, you know, that inspire me, that help me want to be a better follower of Jesus. But it doesn't make me want to leave you and just listen to them, right? Right? And so, because there's something more important here, and I'm going to get to that in a second. So, but we have the conveniences of smartphones and social media, you know, and, and it, it allows for less people to want to find a place to, to gather when it comes to church. Another struggles in churches is, struggles in churches are, they simply don't see the value. They simply don't see the value. The mission isn't clear. And so the reason why people have stopped going to church, and, and I, listen, I, I, this is what I do, this is my life, and so I read things all the time, I, I look at statistics, I listen to podcasts of, of experts within this church world, and church attendance is just declining. It's been declining for the last 20 years and more so over the last 20 months. And I think the problem is people don't see the value. What is this going to do for me? What is this gonna, how is this going to make my life better? How am I going to improve? And, they, and if they don't see the value and, they, and the mission isn't clear, nobody wants to come, right? That's how this works. Let me give you another one. This is more prevalent within the last few months. Stance on Christian nationalism or woke cancel culture has made the church cynical. Stance on Christian nationalism or woke cancel culture has made the church cynical. It's what it's done. So people take a a stance on some side of where they fall politically, where they are oriented some way, one way or another, and often what it's done is, and what I've seen, and maybe I'm just in this world, and what I've seen has just made church people cynical. It's made them cynical. It's never been more divided. The last 18 to 20 months, it's been heartbreaking to see the hurt and the pain of seeing brothers and sisters argue and debate and try to make a point instead of trying to unify, instead of trying to make a point 
What if we decided to try to make a difference in culture? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And here's what we've learned over the last few months. We've learned that groups of people are powerful. We've learned that groups of people are powerful. The whole is more than the sum of its parts. You've heard that before. We've heard that groups of people are powerful. For example, we've seen over the last few months, we've seen you know, left-wing liberals rally and get and gather together in protest of police brutality. We've seen that. And that, bring, that draws our attention, that we, we watch, we scroll through our feeds, we see it on the news, and it, it exists. We, we also see, you know, right-wing conservatives stand and gather together in protest over a, what they deemed as a stolen election. So we, we, see the, we see that the gatherings happen, right? The, the gatherings are taking place. You got liberals gathering and, and, you know, for their purposes and, 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 and what they're passionate about. And, and then you see the conservatives gathering for what their purposes and what they're passionate about. And so what we, what we can recognize is that groups of people are, they're powerful. And the whole is more than the sum of its parts. They Conservatives said, hey, we're, we're better together. Let's come together and let's be passionate about what we believe. And the liberals say, we're better together and let's come together and gather together and protest about what we believe. It's powerful. A few weeks, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, my family, uh, my brothers and my nephews, and um, we went to a Michigan football game. Okay, now I'm not, again, I've already divided the room enough. I don't need to hear... Michigan, Michigan State, listen, I, I know, I'm like, you're really, man, you're talking like religion, I'm talking religion and politics, those are the two things you're never supposed to talk about, and Michigan and Michigan State, those will divide people too, like, the, I know, I know, you're like, man, this is really divisive today, I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make a difference, I'm not trying to make a point, I'm just trying to make a difference, and so we went to the Michigan football game, and we're, it's powerful, right? And maybe you go to a Michigan State football game or whatever, it's powerful. You get into a, a room or a stadium with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. They, according to them, there was 109,000, almost 110,000 people in this, in this stadium, and it was, there was energy, and everybody was, you know, was, was, dressed the same, right? Everybody like had their blue, maize and blue on, you know, and, and all the things that you know how it's like when you go to a sports game, whether you're a state fan, you got your green and, you know, and white on, you know, you're, you're a fan, you're pumped up, you're excited to be there, you know, and it's just something about it that's just like that, that, that you and I experience when groups of people come together with one purpose, one purpose, it, it, it shapes us, it, 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 it inspires us, and it, it's even emotional for us. I'll admit I'm a Michigan fan. I don't really know why I'm a Michigan fan, but I am. I just grew up as a Michigan fan, and, and, uh, and, 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 it, and for some reason, I can't even explain it to you, but I don't like Michigan State. I'm sorry, don't leave the church because of it. I love you, I just don't like the team that you cheer for. I, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, I can't even explain it. I just, it's just because we've become so polarized on one thing. It's, it's how culture has pulled us. It's, what, it's the gravitational pull of either you're with them or you're with them, and it doesn't make sense. It can't be mixed in. And we were there at the game, and and we were in a section that was right next to um, a good amount of Indiana. They were playing against Indiana uh, Hoosiers. And there was a good amount of Indiana fans that were there. Is there Indiana fans in here? Oh, Lord. Okay, you're fired. No. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was terrible. That was terrible. So they're in this section... And, you know, so the game, you know, is going on and Michigan's doing well and playing well. And they're just, and this kid, there was this kid, an Indiana fan. He had all, he was all decked out in Indiana gear. This kid was saying, turning around to his dad, anytime that Michigan had a good play or scored a touchdown, he's turning around to his dad and going, dad, why did you make us come? (laughs) 
and if, you're, if you've ever been in the big house, it's, you're tight. You're in there tight. You're in there like real tight. It, 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 you're in there like literally like this. Like I had to turn like this, and this kid is like literally right here. So anytime he turned to his dad, who, who was like right here, basically, and he's turning to his dad, I can hear everything he's saying. So as the game's gone, he's just complaining to his dad, complaining to his dad the whole time. Dad, why did we have to go? And so it was come down to the end of the game, and it's now we're now realizing Michigan's going to win, and, and we're all pumped because Michigan's going to win, and this kid is now in tears, and I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it because I'm a Michigan fan. That's who I'm cheering for. That's who I'm rooting for. And this kid, he's like, he probably, his dad probably drove him from Indiana, doesn't appreciate, you know, the fact that his dad drove him from Indiana to go into the big house, you know, to have, you know, a good seat to watch a football game. This kid's complaining. And so I told my son, I know this, I should admit to this, but I did. I told my son, hey, pretend like you're videoing it, but take a picture of this kid crying. So he did. I don't have the picture for you because I felt that bad. I didn't want to show you the picture of a little 10-year-old kid crying. But isn't there something powerful about when groups of people come together? It makes me as a pastor do things that are not very pastoral. Is this true? I mean, you're, you're ashamed of me. I get it. I know. I know. Listen, come on. Come on. Hang with me. Hang with me. Hang with me. Groups of people are powerful. The whole is more than the sum of its parts. And when groups of people, whether it's a football game or whether it's a political protest, when groups of people come together, it shapes us. It shapes us individually and it shapes us corporately. There's something about it. So here's what the Hebrew writer said. Here's what he said. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Now, let me just say this. This verse was emailed to me more than any other verse over the last two years than any, any, any time before. This, these verses right here, and I'll, I'll show you why. He says this, let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Then look what he says. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. In other versions, it says, let's spur one another on. Let's, let's, let's motivate, let's inspire, let's, let's, let's spur one another on. Let's consider how to encourage one another in what? In love and in good deeds. Let's do that. How do, and he, and then he says this. Then he says this. Not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's like, hey, you know what? You know what we should do? He's saying, you know what we should do? He says, let's encourage one another. Let's spur one another on to love and to good deeds. And what helps us with that is that when we meet together, but some have abandoned it, some have abandoned it, and it's not out of, and maybe you're telling yourself that, maybe it's not out of, you know, safety concerns or health concerns anymore. It's probably out of habit that you stopped meeting together in person. Because it's so easy for us to, through our social pages and through, you know, through a camera or through our devices, I should say, to be mean and to not love and to not encourage, and to not inspire, but instead to hate. It's because when groups of people come together and under their own ide- ideologies and beliefs, and it's powerful, and it shapes us. It shapes us individually, and it shapes it corporately as well. So the Hebrew writer's going, 
don't abandon that. You got out of the habit. You got out of the habit. Don't abandon that. Come together. So why? So that we can encourage one another. As we all the more see the day drawing near. Then look what he says. Now, this is within the context. Look what he says next. This is what the Hebrew writer wrote. This is probably why he didn't want to put his name on it. Okay? For if we go on sinning willfully, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Then look what he says, verse 27. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. That's, I was meeting with a, a young man on Friday and somehow the conversation went, went to this sort of place right here. And maybe you're familiar with like sort of like this hellfire and brimstone. I'm not really sure how the conversation went there, to be honest with you. But after I was done talking and I felt bad about allowing that conversation to go there, he looked at me and goes, Pastor Chris, that was heavy. I said, I know. I'm sorry. He goes, but listen, this is heavy. But this is a reality. And here's the, here's the context Here's the context and here's the point, okay? Here's the point. Not willfully sinning is what Christians do, right? You all agree with that, right? Not willfully sinning is what Christians do. This was what the Hebrew writer is saying. Here's also what the Hebrew writer was saying. Not abandoning meeting together is also what Christians do. So in the same context, he's saying, you know what, Christians, they don't willfully sin. They don't willfully sin. Christians don't do that. If you willfully sin, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. And if you abandon meeting together, chances are you're probably not a Christian. And then this is where you come in and say, Pastor Chris, that's heavy. And I know. I know. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough not to water down the gospel. I love you enough to tell you that there is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, and it's not too late now to repent and to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. This is what the Hebrew writer is implying. So why gather? Why do we gather? Because you and I need regular support and assistance. I'll, I'll own that. I, 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 need, I need you. I need your support and I need your assistance. I need your encouragement and I need your love. I need to know that you're with me on this mission in this life. And if you're not, it breaks my heart because I want you with me. You need that too. You need that too. You need regular support and assistance. Why do we gather? I'll give you another reason. Your friends, who most likely are similar to, to you, your friends who are similar are no substitute for a sovereign assembly. What do I mean by that? What, am I, what do I mean by that? You and I hang out with people that are like-minded. You and I hang out with people that are like-minded. You and I hang out with people that confirm and reaffirm our biases, whether they're true or not true. Can we admit that? Here's the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is this, that God sovereignly assembles 
his people within a local congregation. That if you feel like this is a church that God has called you to be, it's because God has sovereignly placed you within these people, within our people, to encourage one another and to support one another and, and to understand one another and to understand things where I'm wrong. You with me? God has sovereignly. Listen, I've said this before. I'm, I've already said offensive things. I'm going to just continue to do it. I didn't make this team. Like, if it was up to me, if I built, if I put this team together, I would have, like, this whole section over here would just be billionaires. Like, I would just want a bunch of billionaires. But why? Because we could, like, we could do some, build some awesome things for God, right? But I'm, I don't want to think that way. I don't think that way. I want us to be, I want us to understand, like, you, you've been called to this team by God. And there's a reason why you're here. It's because I need you. <laughs> and you need me. And we need each other. Even the people that go, well, I'm more this side of things, and I'm more of this side of things, and I see this being the reason why, and I see that thing being, and I watch Fox News, and I watch CNN. Now I just got too personal. <laughs> but God has assembled us. This is God's sovereignty. And it's good. Listen to me. Look, look at me. Look at me. It's good. It's, that's what the church is meant to, meant to be. I've said this before. God called Matthew a tax collector and Simon a zealot to be a part of his twelve. You should research that and see how radical that was. Two polar opposites, politically, came with one purpose. We're following him, and we're loving each other, and we're encouraging each other, and we're going to be kind to each other, and we're going to reconcile with each other, and we're going to forgive each other. And we're going to spur each other on to keep doing good works because that's our mission. It's our mission. Why gather? Your story is God's plan to gather people to assimilate. Like, that's our story. So anytime we want to go rogue or do our own thing or be individual Jesus followers without the, the feeling that we don't need the, the church or the necessity of the church, your story of being invited into the redemption plan of God is to be a part of the family of God. Adam was created, and the only time God said it wasn't good after he created all these amazing things, the only time that God said it wasn't good is that he said this, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helpmate. I will make him a helpmate. That's what God did. God, God is community. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. God is community. The story of God from Adam and Eve all the way now to the church age is the story of God's plan to have and to gather a people for his glory and his namesake. Why gather? You, why gather? You are to share corporately in sacraments as basic Christian assurances. This is actually another reason why we should gather as a, as a people, because we get to share corporately in the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. I haven't, I haven't, I, I, all, I hear people commonly say this. I haven't, see, I haven't seen a baptism in a while. And I, and, I, and I want to say, you haven't been here in a while then. Because we've had baptisms. 
And there's more people that still need to be baptized. I know who you are. Is he looking at me? But sharing, sharing in that is what we're, what we're called to do as a, as a people, as a people. We share and, and we celebrate that. When somebody steps into those waters, my, my, my guy Roy, you know, the other day, man, that was like, oh, sweet. He was so nervous. He was so nervous about just getting into the water and getting baptized. Like, and I, was, I just was like, come on, man. I, you know what I was doing all week? I would just send them texts, text messages every day. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I was, I was trying to spur them on. Spur them on to take that step of obedience. And you, did you see it? To share corporately in that. And for us to come around the Lord's table and to partake in a, partake, that's like the terminology for Lord's Supper, right? You, I don't know why. I, I, I never use the word partake until it's the Lord's Supper. I talk about the Lord's Supper. To share in and to have, share together in a wafer that is like, tastes stale. <laughs> and some juice that's like been in the refrigerator for too long, right? But there's something beautiful about that that we can share in. Because the stale cracker, cracker in, the, in the old juice represents the kind of world that we live in today, but it, we get to look forward to a feast one day in eternity. It's a picture. It's a picture of that. We get to share corporately in that. So we gather this is what we're supposed to do. We gather. But we don't want you to just gather to hear. We want you to gather to do. And the gathering isn't just about coming together and singing a few songs and trying to stay awake for a sermon. It's more than that. We are to gather. We're to gather to engage. We're supposed to gather to engage. Kathy, gather to engage. John, stop talking to her. <laughs> gather to engage. That's what we're supposed to do. It's, it's not just hearers of the word, it's doers of the word. So when we gather, we can, we can actually engage together in the mission. And in, in order for that to happen, we, listen, you, I'm, I'm going to be really offensive now. You need to get in shape. You need to get in shape. Now, what do I mean by that? Get in shape. Let me show you. You need to get in shape. Here's what it means. Shape, the S is spiritual gift. Spiritual gift. You would gather to engage. You know what happens? You know what happens when we gather and we engage? We get to discover a gift. You know that you have a gift? That God, if you, if you know Jesus, God has given you a gift, a spiritual gift to make a difference, to make an impact? He's given it to you. You have one. Or two. Do you know what yours is? You know how you know what yours is? You got to engage. You got to be a part of a community. You got to be in serving. You got to participate. You can't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Your, your gift doesn't just like automatically come to you in the night. Your gift is experienced and seen and demonstrated as you begin to experiment with different ministries. So we gather to engage, and you have a gift. You should engage that gift. And God has shaped us in this way. God has given us a heart, something that we're passionate about. Something that we love. Something that, that inspires you. You know that God wants you to use your heart for things? To serve people? And to engage in his community? And in the community around us? You have a heart. You have a passion. Use that. Use that. That's a good place to start, actually. If you're like wondering, where do I, how do I engage in church? Or how do I engage in, in, in the gathering? What do I need to do? You, well, let's just start with what are the things that you love? What are the things that you love? What do you enjoy doing? And let's figure out how we can make that work. You have ability. You have ability. 
It may not be, that doesn't mean that's your gift, your spiritual gift. That means you just have a certain ability with things. You have a certain ability with kids. You have a certain ability with hospitality. You have a certain ability with just engaging with people as they walk in the door. You have a certain ability with tech or sound or whatever it is. You just have ability. You have ability. The P, the P is personality. Y'all, all of us have a different personality. Like some of you, man, you don't, you don't have the temperament to work with little kids downstairs. And we don't want you to. We don't want you to. You, we, like, if you're like, if you think, oh, man, just tell me where I need to go, like, but, you know, kids are not my thing. We don't want you to do that. Why? Because it's just not your thing. And that's okay. We don't want to put you in a place that isn't your thing because that doesn't give the kids the best experience either because you have a certain personality. And the E is experiences. Maybe you do have some experiences somewhere within the church. Or maybe you have experiences in your life that you've seen that best, how you can use your experiences to best serve people. We have a group that meets on Thursday nights that they've had some experiences when it comes to their children and their home with addictions and and, and things. And they come together on Thursday nights and they invite anyone that wants to be a part of it to, to, to be able to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be motivated, and to be prayed for and to open up the scripture together. Right, Marlene, Beth, this is what happens on Thursday nights. Why? They're, they're just using their experiences and turning it around for good to love people with. They're not wallowing in their pain, though they have a lot of it. They're not just like sitting in there going, feeling sorry for themselves and going, you know, why did I have to go through this or why did I have to experience this? No, they're using their pain and they're using their experiences. They're using their story to better serve others, to spur others on that are going through dealing with family members that have addiction issues, that, that, are, that are working through those things. They're, that's what they're doing. They're, that, it's, it's, a part of, it's a part of engaging. So we don't just gather, we engage. We engage. Paul wrote, wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, he says this, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And then he skips down to verse 27. He says, now you are Christ's body in individually parts of it. You, you are a part. You and I gathered together. You and I gathered together are better, are better. And you play a part individually. You have a gift. You have a passion. You have an ability. You have a personality. And you have experiences to play and be a part of the whole, the body of Christ. Because when groups of people come together, it's powerful. And it changes things. And it shapes you individually. And it shapes us corporately. And we come together, and here's what Ephesians 4 says. He says this, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until, verse 13, he says, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we gather to engage, but we also gather together to get equipped, to get equipped. That God says, listen, I don't want you to just be a people that just hear but do. And I want you to know that that all of us, all of us need to get equipped. What does equip means? Equip means that to fix something that's broken, to fix something that's broken. All of us, all of us have something that's broken, that needs to be fixed, all of us. Or all of us are, are, can help and aid in fixing something for someone else that needs to be fixed. All of us have that. We all need to get equipped. Equipped for what? 
for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. You and I are called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus. It's not just what I do, it's what we do. It's what we do. So don't just come, like Lauren said, and ninja in and out of here. I loved her, I love that description. Ninja in and out of here. But come and make it a habit to come because that's what Christians do and engage, engage, engage and get equipped, get equipped for the work of the ministry. There's something, because that's true for every church, there's things in this church that are broken that you can fix and there's some things that are broken in you that need to be fixed and in me that need to be fixed so we got to get equipped so what you should do I'm just saying what I should do what you should do we need to start thinking theology over ideology we need to start learning and studying and making things more about understanding God better and knowing God more than inundating our minds through our social pages and through our news outlets and the things that we allow into our mindset that create an ideology that has only been divisive. So what you should do, you should spend, and I should spend, more time on theology than ideology. What you should do, what you should do, is that you should make connections over content. So easy to find good content. But what we need, and what you need and I need, we need more connection, more connection, more connection. What you should do, be a contributor, contributor over a consumer. Be a contributor over a consumer. Our culture, we're good at being consumers. Consumers. The church, the church, be a contributor. You are a part of the body. And when the body comes together unified, it's powerful. It's powerful. Contribute. Don't just consume, contribute. So let me, oh, I got one more. What you should do, this is important. Kindness over meanness. <laughs> just start being kind. The people that you've been, let's, I'll just be honest, you've been kind of mean on social media mean trying to make a point let's make a difference let's not make a point let's make a difference let's start figuring out how we can reconcile and forgive and to rejoin our differences our diversity with unity and simply just be kind one to another that will make a world of a difference so if you're looking for ways to engage and if you're looking for ways to get equipped we got them we've got them I would love to help you personally John would love to help you personally Lauren would help, love to help you personally Kim others would love to help you personally Get engaged. So I don't know if you came in and if you saw it or not or got it or not. I'm not sure what happened with them, but there's a, there's a card. There's a card. Did anybody get a card? Anybody, anybody get a card? You got a, okay, you got a card. These are ways 
that you can engage and get equipped. Get engaged, get equipped. Get one, fill it out, check a box. You're like, I'm not really sure what I, like just, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. And we'll, 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 help you, we'll help you navigate through where you can, you can be a part and where you can help out. But I'm telling you, we need to help. We need to help. There's lots of areas in this church that we just wanna continue to move forward on and, and be better at and accelerate, but yet, because the labors are few, we're trying to just putz along. Listen, come on. If you're not engaged, engage. If you're already engaged in something, if you already have a regular uh, you know, regular ministry, this isn't, I'm not talking to you because I'm not, I'm not looking to add. I'm not looking to add. But if you do feel convicted and you think I can do more or I can contribute more, that's God. It ain't me. And whatever God wants to lead you to do, man, I'm excited. We're pumped about it. Why? Because you have been assembled by a sovereign God for a purpose. Engage in that and get equipped. Get equipped. It's got to be the core of who we are. Father, Lord, you've called us into community. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. A gathering of people is powerful. Changes cities, communities, changes the world. We saw it happen from day one when the church assembled, when the church gathered. It changed everything. And God, I just pray, Lord, that that's the kind of place we'll continue to be. But it's just going to take more than just a few to carry the load. It's going to take all of us all of us to get back into the habit of meeting together and to engage in that on a regular basis and to get equipped so that we can help fix or get fixed on the things that are broken. And we thank you for your love and your kindness to us and your grace that you extend to all of us. Pray, Lord, that you inspire and motivate. And I pray, God, that we inspire and we motivate each other to love and to good works that will make a difference. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Final sermon next Sunday on Core Visions.